Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for being with me here on this Wednesday. We are midweek, and this is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. And Lord knows we need this safe space now more than ever. Please follow me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind to Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. That's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I read them all, I see them all, and we always get to your emails at the end of the show. So if you want to hear yours read right on the air, you got to send me one. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, today I want to blow apart the raid on President Trump's private residence in a way that few others have been talking about. As the only person, as far as I know, who worked with both President Richard Nixon during his last years and President Trump in his administration at the Treasury Department, I think I've got a very unique take on this, so strap in. Whatever we don't get to today, because I have reams of things that I need to say about this, not that I want to say, that I need to say about this, whatever we don't get to today, I'm going to continue on Friday on this podcast, so you're going to want to tune in for the entire show today, and then again on Friday, because... Again, there's only so many hours in the day to talk about all of the ramifications of what we just witnessed. Also today, we're going to talk with former acting attorney general under President Trump, Matt Whitaker, 
He's going to be here to uh, to talk about what in God's name is going on here from his point of view and how deep the rot is at the Department of Justice and the FBI. But first, the Monica memo. It's time to bring the fire. It is time to fight fire with fire. This is it. This is the hill to die on. We talk a lot about a lot of different threats to this republic. We do it every day on this podcast. This, this is the hill to die on. The enemy is within. It's always been within. The left has been attacking this country for decades, but now we are at the tipping point. I recall a line from a North Vietnamese political leader who was talking to the Soviets and the Chinese, and they were all supporting uh, their side, the communist side in the war in Vietnam. And there is a very famous saying of his, uh, sort of midway through the Vietnam War. He said that the war in Vietnam was not going to be won in the jungles of Vietnam. The war in Vietnam was going to be won in the streets of the United States. Meaning that they had so mobilized uh, leftist opposition to the war. And again, nobody is saying that the war was carried out perfectly. We can debate that. We can debate the tactics. We can debate whether or not we should have even been there. But once we were committed, we needed to fight to win, and we did not. Richard Nixon got us out of that war. But that North Vietnamese leader's line that the war was not going to be won over there in the jungles where the actual fighting was, No, the communists understood that the war was going to be won or lost in the streets of America because they had mobilized the college kids. They had mobilized so many people against the war to the point where everybody was out in the streets protesting the war, crippling America's political will to continue to fight it. They undermined it here at home. So again, we can debate Vietnam all day long, but the communists knew exactly what they were doing, which is in a democracy, when you've got a representative democracy in play, like the United States, the way you win as a communist is to undermine whatever anti-communist movement is going on in the United States or whatever anti-communist sentiment might be going on in the United States. You chip away at it. You eat away at it here at home by propaganda, by messaging, now via social media and big tech. The communists know exactly what they are doing. They have been doing this for decades. So the war against communism is going to be won or lost here. And the enemy, as the North Vietnamese knew, is here. The enemy is within. The enemy is aligned with that North Vietnamese leader who made that comment. They're all on the same page. Why? Because they're all communists. That's why. I often use the metaphor of the termites attacking a home. And if you've been unfortunate enough in your life to actually have a structure that's been attacked by termites, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The termites burrow into the wood, and they start eating away. And they're eating and eating. And as they're eating away, they are chipping away at the support 
of the wood for the structure, right? They're eating and eating and time keeps passing. And to the naked eye, that structure looks just fine. That structure looks as healthy and as durable and stable as can possibly be. Until one day, the termites succeed in their mission. Maybe they get full. Maybe they decide to move on. Maybe there's nothing left. But at one point in time, the structure collapses. So one day, the structure looks fine. The next day, it has collapsed on itself. That is exactly what has been going on now here for decades. The left has been eating and eating and eating away at our very foundations. And while to the naked eye on the outside, everything looked okay, we are now at the tipping point of a collapse on ourselves. This is the most dangerous threat that we face, the weaponization of our own government against us. The two most fearsome agencies in the government, the FBI and the IRS, the ones that have the ability to take your freedom, destroy your life, bankrupt you, grab your assets, the leftist takeover of those agencies has now been completed and they are pointed directly toward you. This raid on President Trump's home happened on the anniversary of President Nixon's resignation, August 8th, 1974, and the raid, August 8th, 2022. This is not a coincidence. When you talk about the deep state, there are no coincidences. The deep state doesn't do coincidences, okay? They organized the raid to happen on that day for a very clear reason. They wanted to send a message. This was a message event. The message is, anyone who challenges the regime's corrupt power will be destroyed. Two men, Richard Nixon and Donald Trump, both outsiders, both not beholden to the ruling class, both could not be controlled by the ruling class, both genuinely there in public office, in the presidency, to represent us, to represent the American people. Why? Because they were one of us. They did not come from the elite ruling class representing themselves and their own personal interests. No, they came, in Richard Nixon's case, from a poverty-stricken family in the orange groves of Southern California. Trump grew up with a lot more, obviously, and then built it into a lot more, but he was known as the blue-collar billionaire for a reason, because he was more at home with the construction guys rather than the foreman. So both of these men were outsiders to the ruling class and were challenging the ruling class in every way because you cannot serve both the ruling class and the American people. You cannot. You ca- just like you cannot serve both God and man. You have to take care of your secular uh, issues. Of course, we are operating in the world But serve God, serve man. You got to pick one. Can't really serve both. Same thing here. You cannot serve both the ruling class and the American people. And both Richard Nixon and Donald Trump chose to serve the American people. 
And by doing so, they both challenged the ruling class's grip on power, which is absolute. Therefore, they must be destroyed. They cannot continue to function. This is why, look, Richard Nixon, this is not in any way to excuse what he did during Watergate. He did intervene. He did behave badly in a lot of areas because he was flying blind. He was getting bad information and he was making bad decisions as a result. But they had to destroy him because you know what he was going to do in his second term? Exactly what Donald Trump began in his first He was taking on the ruling class. He was going to take on the media. Richard Nixon had a whole plan to take on the growing administrative state, which is our biggest threat. That includes the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS. Richard Nixon was going to begin that process in a second term. So the ruling class, the empire struck back because they could not allow it. And as Richard Nixon famously said post-resignation, in his interviews with David Frost, he famously said, I gave them the sword. I knew I had enemies and I gave them the sword. So I wrote very early on in Trump's uh, tenure here in the White House in like March or April, I guess, of 2017, I wrote a piece for the New York Post. You can see it on my Instagram. I still have it up there. Warning Trump of exactly this, telling him, Your enemies are Richard Nixon's enemies. Maybe not the exact same people. People die, they move on. But the institutional enemies are exactly the same. The ruling class. By that I mean the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy, the press, the international community, and of course the left, the Democrat communists. They're all the same enemies. And I warn President Trump, do not give them the sword. But in this case, right now, in the environment we're in, Trump didn't have to do anything to give them the sword. They just make shit up. They just make it up, level the charges, and then go on with it. Russia hoax, two impeachments, special counsel, they have done everything. They have thrown the kitchen sink at this man, and the idea that he is still standing is a miracle. It's also a huge testament to him to his political character and his personal character, that he can withstand these attacks and still be standing. I don't know of another person, never mind another political leader, who could have withstood what Donald Trump has just gone through and what he continues to go through. But I hope he understands this point, and and this is why I'm bringing this point to you. He is an existential threat to all of them, to their entire corrupt status quo, to their gravy train, and to their absolute grip on power. And that's why he needs to be destroyed. He cannot succeed. They they crippled this presidency. They started this way back in in, uh, 2016 during the campaign, spying on his campaign, then crippled his presidency, tried to impeach him twice. Now they've got the FBI rifling through his closets and his personal safe. We're going to get to that here in a minute. 
But why, to what end? Understand, he is an existential threat to the entire system. And it's not just here in the U.S., it's the entire West. It's the Global Reset. It's the World Economic Forum. Their entire agenda falls apart if Donald Trump has traction, if Donald Trump is the president of the United States. He got elected. He wasn't supposed to. They weren't prepared for 2016, but they were prepared for 2020. And when you look at this and understand that point, that the empire always strikes back, they have all of the levers of power, including government's monopoly on power to do it. They will crush anyone who stands in their way or who threatens their power in any way. Think about this. If the regime did this to President Trump, going through his personal stuff, carrying out this this abomination of a raid, why would anyone think that they didn't steal the 2020 election? Of course they did. Why would anyone think that they didn't frame Donald Trump for January 6th? Of course they did. Why would anyone think that they didn't frame him as a Russian asset and create the entire elaborate hoax to nail him? Of course they did. And why would anyone think that they uh, released a man-made virus to shut down the global economy to stop one man? Of course they did. Wake up. They did all of this to try to stop him Because he was, he is, he remains an existential threat to them and their hold on power. That's how powerful Donald Trump is. I'm not even sure he understands that. I'm not sure he's a, it would be difficult if I were Trump to absorb that fact. They shut down the global economy to stop one man. That's how powerful he is. That's why they keep coming at him. It's staggering when you think about this, guys. And it's not just Trump who is, I mean, he is relatively invincible, which is incredible to see. Richard Nixon had sort of the same thing with his comebacks throughout his political career. And I remember writing in in one of my two books about President Nixon, I remember when he died not just for me, but really for the country and the world, it was almost inconceivable that anything could have destroyed Richard Nixon because he kept coming back because he was that strong. And yet death is the final leveler for all of us, right? So death was the only thing that could keep Richard Nixon down. In Trump's case, he is the ultimate fighter like like Richard Nixon too. But even he, I'm not sure that he understands how powerful an entity he is. And it's not just him as a human being, but it's what he represents. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful it is. And that is just breathtaking when you stop to think about it. And when you stop to think of all of the things that they are throwing at him to try to stop him, it's incredible. And they will do it again. All right, when we come back, I want to go through exactly what the FBI did at Mar-a-Lago on Monday, because you need to know the details 
because they are critical to understanding the magnitude, the scope of the abuse of power here. When we come back, I'm going to take you through it. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. Let's go through exactly what the FBI did at Mar-a-Lago on Monday when they arrived at President Trump's estate there. Keep in mind, Trump is nowhere near Mar-a-Lago right now. He's in Bedminster at his golf resort there. That's where he spends the summer. So he was not even on site. They knew that. They knew that like they picked August 8th, 2022 to carry out this raid. They know exactly what they're doing. They did not want Trump anywhere near this, nor did they want his lawyers. And of course, he's got, he's got the absolute right to have lawyers there. Um, but I want to go through exactly what they did, because we need to know the details of this to understand uh, the, the real magnitude of the abuse of power here. Our friend Miranda Devine of the New York Post, she's always doing the reporting that the propaganda press will not do. She's uncovering these things and while the propaganda press sits there and contemplates their navels and gives Kareen diversity hire softball questions every day in the White House briefing room, Miranda Devine is out there actually uncovering facts and doing real reporting. We're going to have her on this show at some time, uh, hopefully soon. So according to Miranda in the New York Post, here is what went down at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. FBI agents scoured Melania Trump's wardrobe. So they were going through her beautiful wardrobe, a wardrobe I wish I had. They were going through her designer clothes and looking at her shoes and God knows what else. The former first lady of the United States rummaging through her closet. And they spent several hours combing through Donald Trump's private office. I've been in that office. And uh, let me tell you, it's a relatively small office. I mean, his digs down there at Mar-a-Lago, they are lush, they are gorgeous, but they're not huge. 
He's got like a huge ballroom where they do big events for Republican uh, candidates and so on, which is also gorgeous. But the residence part of this is relatively small. I mean, you, you'd be shocked down there. It's not uh, this big sprawling thing. The property is big and sprawling, but where they actually live is not. So they went into his private office which again is a relatively small space, they broke open his personal uh, safe. They got in there. They also rifled through his drawers when they were carrying out this raid. So this is like if you're a member of organized crime, which is now what the FBI is. The FBI is organized crime. They used to investigate organized crime. Now they are organized crime. Uh, But they're treating uh, the former president of the United States like he's a a run-of-the-mill drug dealer or uh, a run-of-the-mill pimp or something, rifling through his drawers, going through what, his boxer shorts? Is that what was happening here? We don't know. I'm sure Miranda Devine is on top of it. She continues, the Post has learned that the search warrant used by the FBI to enter Mar-a-Lago and focus solely on presidential records and evidence of classified information being stored there. So if this is accurate, that the search warrant that the FBI showed and then took back wouldn't even leave a copy for Trump's lawyers, uh, this, the whole behavior is absolutely outrageous and appalling. But if it's true that the warrant was just geared for that, what were they doing in Melania's closet looking at her shoes? Were they trying on her belts and her hats? I mean, if I went into her closet, I'd be trying everything on all day long. Her clothes are gorgeous. <laughs> but I'm not the FBI. So what were they doing in Melania's closet? Looking for what? Hidden documents in her belt buckles? Uh, what is going on? Miranda continues, a source close to the former president expressed concern that FBI agents or DOJ lawyers conducting the search could have, quote, planted stuff because they would not allow Trump's attorneys inside the 128-room building to observe the operation, which lasted more than nine hours. So they would not allow Trump's lawyers anywhere near what they were doing So again, I go back to the questions that I raised in the first segment here. Why would anyone think that they would not plant evidence? Look at what they did to him over the last six years. They're planting evidence all around the place, all over the world. Oh, Trump's a Russian Russian asset. We got to go to London and Rome to uncover the dirt and the truth about Trump being uh, Putin's uh, best friend. They plant stuff all day long. Look at the fake kidnapping plot against Michigan's Governor Gretchen Whitmer. All fake, all all made up by the FBI. Again, they are the criminals. So why wouldn't you think that they would plant evidence? Adoy, of course. The other thing is, and this is another way of doing it, they were rummaging through boxes looking for specific things. They could have taken something out and destroyed it on their own or just hold it for safekeeping and claim that Trump destroyed it. Either way, you know, they're covered with planting stuff on Trump. Again, why wouldn't you think that they would do this, right? The other thing too, there's another theory that's floating around and I tweeted about this yesterday. 
The other theory, which either could be on its own or in conjunction with this theory, is that the FBI was going through all of these boxes of documents looking for incriminating documents against them. Documents that incriminate the FBI on the Russia hoax. That they could have been there looking for that stuff, trying to pull that stuff out so that Donald Trump didn't have it or it couldn't be exposed. This could be part of a cover-up operation for the FBI. There are a million things that we don't know yet, right? And thanks to Miranda Devine, and pretty much only Miranda Devine, uh, uncovering a lot of this stuff, uh, we may know, we may not know for a while. Who knows? But now that the country does not trust the FBI to operate in an above-board way, who knows? Who knows what they were doing in there? 30 plainclothes agents from the Southern District of Florida and the FBI's Washington field office, which is now run by the agent who oversaw the fake kidnapping plot of Michigan's Governor Gretchen Whitmer. This is how corrupt the entire thing is. That raid extended over the uh, entire 3,000-square-foot private quarters for Trump, as well as a separate office, the safe, and a locked basement storage room in which 15 cardboard boxes of material from the White House were stored. The feds arrived at 9 a.m. They did not leave until 6.30 p.m. How would you like that? The FBI shows up at about 9 a.m. and stays for nine hours, nine hours plus. How nervous would you be? An eyewitness to the raid said all of the boxes were confiscated by federal agents, but it's unknown if anything else was taken as no itemized list of items was provided by the FBI. Again, a violation. They're supposed to tell you exactly what they're taking. The boxes contain documents and mementos from President Trump's uh, time in office reportedly including letters from Barack Obama. Each president leaves his successor a private note. Barack Obama did that for Donald Trump. Also, uh, letters between Trump and Kim Jong-un, as well as other correspondence with world leaders. A legal source said that the boxes had been packed up by the General Services Administration, the GSA, and shipped to Mar-a-Lago when Trump left office in January 2020. So it wasn't like Donald Trump was sitting around packing these boxes himself. Oh, looky here, here's here's that really nice note that Obama left me on day one of my time in office. Oh, that's great. I'm going to take that with me. And oh, Kim Jong-un, yeah, these letters were really awesome. I'm going to, I'm just going to put these in the box too. Okay. No, he wasn't sitting there in overalls packing up his own stuff. The GSA did this for him. So is the GSA liable at all? What was their responsibility? Did they look at this stuff or not? Trump did not pack this stuff and send it off, all right? Trump's attorneys, led by Evan Corcoran, had been cooperating fully with federal authorities on the return of the documents to the National Archives and Records Administration, according to the sources. And by the way, this is NARA, the National Archives. They're also all led by left-wingers. Just so you know, they run most of the presidential libraries, if not all of them. And I know from experience with Richard Nixon Library and Foundation, of which I am a member of the board of directors, I know that uh, when NARA got involved, 
the Nixon library kept going on private funding for a couple of years, which is what Nixon wanted because he knew these folks and he knew how left-wing that they were going to be. So he tried uh, to set it in his will and his estate that the Nixon library would go on private donations for as long as possible. And it did. But then at some point, I guess the money ran out and they had to go to the National Archives. And it, it's just, it's been a battle ever since because they're all completely on the other side. So this is what you're dealing with on top of a corrupt FBI. Miranda Devine continues, in May, Corcoran granted access to Mar-a-Lago's windowless storage room to FBI agents who spent several hours searching through the boxes. This was back in May. Trump stopped by the basement to say hi at one point to someone who was there. So all of this is congenial. All of this is, is going on just fine until you get the raid. So what happened there? We're going to ask Matt Whitaker, former attorney general under President Trump, how you go from working together in a cooperative way to this kind of raid. You go from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye. How does that happen? We'll ask him. So also keep in mind, Mar-a-Lago is a winter retreat. Um, I was there this winter many times for different events. But in the summer, it closes so they can do renovations, so they can clean the property and make sure it's ready for the next winter season. And it only has a skeleton staff, groundskeepers, I guess some housekeepers and so on, just keeping up the place. So you can imagine if you're there to mow the lawn and all of a sudden the FBI is up your butt. Access to the 20-acre private country club is believed to have been granted by heavily armed U.S. Secret Service agents stationed at the front gates. Lawyers for Trump were caught off guard by the raid, and they arrived an hour later. So his lawyers were not clued in. They were off-site, probably taking a shower, having breakfast with their family, and all of a sudden they get a call. The FBI is there on site. They immediately show up as fast as possible. But that was an hour later. So the FBI had the run of the place for at least an hour without Trump's lawyers on site. Once inside the private quarters, agents fanned out to search every room while shock staff were instructed by Trump's lawyers to unlock doors and provide the FBI access to every room, including the Trump's master bedroom. So how do you like that? Your master bedroom is now being rifled through by the FBI. Another group of agents, including a professional safe cracker, moved to a separate part of the uh, building to search Trump's office and his safe. Now, Eric Trump has said there was nothing in the safe. And I hope that that's true. I mean, God knows the whole thing. Divine continues, the demeanor of the three DOJ lawyers who accompanied the FBI, was described by one eyewitness as, quote, arrogant, as they repeatedly told Trump's representatives, quote, we have full access to everything, we can go everywhere. Well, generally speaking, if you're being raided by the FBI guys, they can go anywhere. They've got carte blanche, even if the warrant says, no, you can only look at presidential records and other documents, the FBI will just take it upon themselves to rifle through your bedside drawer. And in terms of their demeanor as arrogant, what else would you expect? Of course they were. Of course they were arrogant. Why wouldn't they be? They're the FBI. They've got absolute power 
and they know that their behavior is never going to be held accountable. By whom? By the leadership at the FBI? They're even more corrupt. They sent them there. And by whom? The press? Who in the mainstream press, who in the propaganda media is going to hold any of this behavior to account? No one. So, of course, they were arrogant. They know that they can skate and get away with whatever they want. Miranda Devon concludes her piece this way. Despite the sweltering 91 degrees uh, temperature on Monday in Florida, Trump's lawyers were forbidden by the feds to shelter inside the cool lobby or observe the search in any way. So they just sent them outside in the sweltering sun to sit there and bake so they couldn't be observed. And then they wonder why people would question whether or not they planted any evidence. Come on, they were not being watched. They had the run of the place for nine hours. The feds instructed Trump's representatives to switch off the security cameras, but they refused. Good, good. So maybe we can actually see on some of this uh, security surveillance footage exactly what was going on here. I, I hope we get to see that footage at some point. But I wanted to bring you the details, at, at least as far as we know them now, thanks to Miranda Devine at the New York Post, so that you could see the magnitude of the abuse of power here. This was not just go in, take a look at some of these documents, take some photos and leave. This is going through the president's underwear drawer. This is all about humiliating him. Just as, remember when the FBI showed up for that pre-dawn raid on Roger Stone and, and others, the president's attorney, John Eastman, during January 6th, he was also frog-marched out of his property in his pajamas with, with, remember with Roger Stone, CNN was tipped off and they were all out there with cameras. This is a humiliation exercise, but it's also an exercise of sending a message. Again, this is... This is the horse head in the bed. You watch uh, The Godfather. This is the horse head in the bed. This is the message. Do not even think about doing this again. Do not even think about challenging our grip on power or we will destroy you. And they have the power to do it. That's what makes these abuses so outrageous. They're the guys with the guns. They're the guys with the warrants. They're the guys who have the ability to put you in prison for the rest of your life. This is why this is the hill to die on. Every authoritarian government operates this way with a secret police. That's exactly what all of this is about. They have the power. And they are abusing it to the nth degree against us. Average Americans, this is in so many ways, of course, it's about Donald Trump, but it's about you and me even more because they hate us. They hate us and they are willing to do whatever it takes to destroy us, our movement, and Trump is just the symbol of it. So if they can destroy Donald Trump, they can destroy us. They can destroy the movement. Now, there are more of us than there are of them, and they're petrified of that which is why they keep trying to send these signals of intimidation, of raw power to try to get us to back down. But I think they're not aware, guys, that we are the new right and we don't back down. We fight.
the way Donald Trump fights, the way Richard Nixon fought until the pressure was too much to bear, until his own side caved and collapsed on him. The only reason he decided to announce his resignation on August 9, 1974, was because Barry Goldwater, Republican senator of Arizona, came to him in the White House and said, your Republican support in the Senate has collapsed. And if they go ahead with an impeachment and a trial in the Senate, you're not going to survive it. That's the only reason why Richard Nixon decided he was going to resign, because it was politically untenable. But in this day and age, with social media and the rest of us, where we can communicate with each other and support Donald Trump and support each other like this podcast does every day, well, that makes it a lot more difficult for them to do what they do. Obviously, they still have all of the power and they're wreaking a lot of havoc and so much damage, it's unfathomable. But the situation has now changed and they know it. So some people have argued that this raid is an exercise in weakness on their part and out of fear and panic. Maybe. I don't know, but maybe. But what I do know is there are more of us than there are of them. And this is the time for all of us to come together and fight fight on this hill. All right, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a terrific new sponsor, Donors Trust. Donors Trust is the tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving without compromising your values. Is cancel culture coming for your charitable dollars? Big banks that sponsor charitable savings accounts, also known as donor advisor funds, as they're formally called, they've got a history of slow walking or just straight up blocking donations to conservative charities. Charities that have found themselves in the crosshairs of the woke mob include the Family Research Council, National Review Institute, the National Rifle Association Foundation, Liberty Council, Turning Point USA, and so many others. So clearly, not every donor-advised fund provider is safe for conservatives. So let Donors Trust help manage your charitable giving. Donors Trust was built with you, my listeners, in mind, people who believe limited government and constitutional rights are worth fighting for, exactly what we've talked about every day and certainly today on the show. So if you already have a donor-advised fund, consider opening a rollover account it can be done in three simple steps by calling my friends over at Donors Trust. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy and help you achieve your charitable goals. So partner with the fund that matches your values. To learn more, download their prospectus at DonorsTrust.org slash Monica. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Monica. To align your giving with your values, which is so important, visit DonorsTrust.org slash Monica. We'll be right back with former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. Sit tight. Well, I'm so pleased now to be joined by former Acting U.S. Attorney General under President Trump, Matt Whitaker. Attorney General Whitaker, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. 
Glad to be with you, Monica. Thanks for having me. Well, I am glad to have some of your time today because we are in an exceedingly dangerous moment in this country. Uh, First question for you. You ran the DOJ and FBI at the very top as acting attorney general of the United States. What is your reaction to what those institutions did on Monday to President Trump in executing a 30 G-man raid on his private residence? Well, I think the first thing that everyone should know is how completely unnecessary this, uh, you know, really over the top move by them uh, is and how they could have done so much different, including they could have subpoenaed this information, could have continued to negotiate. I just think it really was an over-the-top kind of show of force that, uh, based on everything we know to today's date, suggests that they are trying to punish uh, and embarrass President Trump uh, instead of you know, trying to work collaboratively like they have every other former president who has moved out of the White House. Yeah, you know, Matt, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but my first job out of college, I worked for former President Richard Nixon, who was another very controversial uh, president who had a lot of questions about his documents and so on, which during Watergate, the government seized a lot of them. And in the mid-1990s, he actually got a judgment uh, in his favor because the federal government had essentially impounded critical documents that they later determined to be his. And so he actually got a multi-million dollar judgment against the federal government uh, for retaining those documents for 20 years at that point. So we do have some precedent here um, in terms of documents and how they are handled by former presidents. So I just want to lay that out there. But I want to ask you, President Trump and his lawyers, they were talking to the Department of Justice about these documents. And they were, uh, by all accounts, everybody was cooperating. Everything was copacetic. So my question is, how does the DOJ go from negotiating about these documents in a pretty above board, congenial way to carrying out a raid on a former president of the United States? What is the precipitating event here? Well, I think that's the million dollar question here, Monica. I mean, you know, obviously there was something that there was an inclusion made that uh, either there was an exigency like he was going to destroy Certain documents, you know, if you remember right before the raid or the day of the raid, there was the, um, you know, story from the New York Times that he was, you know, during this White House tenure, he allegedly was flushing documents down the toilet and they had these, you know, uh, pictures of toilets of all things in the New York Times. Very appropriate for the New York Times, I might add. But nonetheless, um, you know, I think there was just they reached a point where they did not believe they were going to be able to get what they wanted. I, I just, again, I, I, to your point, I just don't think, you know, we're talking about documents. Uh, and ultimately, in my experience, there's not a lot of documents that there weren't lots of copies of, uh, for one. And for two, if we're talking about original documents, um, you know, those could easily be negotiated. I mean, we'll hear the ultimately the story of the whole situation, but I'm just really surprised. 
um, as to what's what's transpired in this deal. Well, you might not be able to go down this road, but I certainly can. To me, it just it, it's not about the documents. Documents are a pretext for something else as a way to target him. Whether that raid was about uh, trying to find some documents that would incriminate Donald Trump about January 6th to try to support what the January 6th committee is doing to try to find a pretext there to go after him or or and or uh, there's a theory floating out there now that perhaps uh, the FBI executed this raid to try to secure incriminating documents against them with regard to the Russia hoax to try to secure those and cover their own behinds. I don't know. This is all rank speculation at this point, but it does seem, Matt, that there's so much more to this story uh, than meets the eye. Yeah, and that's the biggest fear, right? I mean, obviously... You can't necessarily believe anything that's just sort of out in the ether that's put out there by by leakers and, uh, you know, kind of non-assigned speakers. But, you know, this is one of those things. There's got to be more to the story because I'm kind of scratching my head as well, knowing how all of this works and, you know, having represented a ton of clients in private practice and then having been seven and a half years in the Department of Justice, uh, this situation just does not seem to reflect what we what's being explained as the facts. And so we'll just have to see, you know, if we can learn any more as time goes by. There is a question specifically on the documents and the Presidential Records Act, and I served in Treasury. You, of course, were uh, the acting attorney general. So we all fall under this Presidential Records Act where we have to uh, preserve all of our email records, paper records, everything else. But, you know, I'm curious as to what the statute actually says about this. Do you have to be in office for it to apply? Does it extend to office holders once they leave office? And does the president, who has ultimate control over declassification, did President Trump declassify this material before he left office? Yeah, those are all really good questions. I mean, I think like a lot of lawyers that are speaking about this uh, Presidential Records Act, you know, I had to go back and familiarize myself with some of the, the key points. But, you know, the, the long story short is that, you know, these certain documents need to be retained and then turned over to the National Archives. And it, it's a law that, that actually has not been like this forever. It's only been around for, uh, I'm, I'm, my recollection is sometime, you know, around Nixon's, um, tenure. And so it's not a, it's not an act that has always been the way of the United States of America, but at the same time, you know, the laws need to be complied with. Um, but I still, I just keep coming back to the, I just, if it, if we're just talking about documents and artifacts or, you know, original versions of documents, I just don't know how we couldn't have negotiated this without a real over the top 30 person, mm-hmm. you know, search team from the FBI going into Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, there, there is so much more to this story. And frankly, I can't wait to hear it. Um, before we let you go, Matt, talk to us about the depth of corruption at the DOJ and FBI. What did you see during your time there? How deep does this rot go? I mean, I know you were there for a brief amount of time, so you couldn't really uh, do the kinds of reforms that seem necessary here. But what did your eyes see while you were there? Well, what I saw was a politicization of the FBI and it being used as an instrument of the left. And, you know, if you look at what's happened recently with the whistleblowers going to both my home state Senator, Senator Grassley and 
uh, Jim Jordan and communicating that, uh, you know, the DOJ um, and and FBI had put their finger on the scale, had rat holed these uh, Hunter Biden laptop stories and suggested that they were Russian disinformation, you know, off the record and not for attribution. And really through, uh, you know, kind of the people that were covering the story off the scent in, you know, October of 2020 leading into the election. And so, I mean, I think it's those uh, those kind of issues that the, the confidence in the DOJ um, is eroded. And ultimately, if they can't get it back, they're going to have a challenge uh, of legitimacy and of survival to, to, you know, kind of do the important work. Is the FBI, in your estimation, Matt, is it salvageable or does it have to be completely dismantled? There are a lot of folks on our side who say, you know, you got to burn it all down and start from scratch. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that need to be reformed at the FBI. I think, you know, obviously they have, um, because of their leadership, and especially recently with Comey and McCabe and 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 now uh, uh, Director Ray, I think they have really not been able to um, reform the highest levels in, in the, you know, the management structure um, of some of the senior folks there that, that is definitely needed. They seem to move people around uh, and just, you know, kind of reward people uh, if they perform poorly with a different assignment in a different region of the country. But I, I think, you know, director Ray, I had several talks when I was at DOJ and, and even including when I was acting attorney general about sort of why he wasn't moving quicker to fix these problems. And, you know, he had excuses. He never had a really good reason why he couldn't take bold action and be a leader. Um, But, you know, it's uh, obviously these challenges are only getting worse. And I I just, I fear that there are just a, a small cadre of folks that are taking the FBI in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, you're very diplomatic there, Matt, (laughs) as I would expect from you. But when you say not able to, they don't want to. Um, And we are certainly in a war here for the country, and they are clearly on the other side. And what is clear is that we cannot have the nation's premier law enforcement agency um, go on in such a deeply, deeply corrupt way. It's far too dangerous. So uh, reform is definitely needed, whether that means dismantling the whole thing or removing the top leadership and then removing bad apples all the way down. Whether that's even possible, I don't know. But I do know we are in an exceedingly dark moment here for the country, and this needs to be fixed sooner rather than later. Matt, I want to thank you so much for your time today and your expertise and your insights. Just amazing. All right. Well, I really appreciate spending some time with you, Monica. We'll do this again. Of course. I look forward to that. Former acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker. I'm Monica Crowley. Back in a flash. Okay, guys, on Friday, I have so much more I need to say about this raid on President Trump and the bigger picture. So on Friday, we're going to cover all of that. So you're going to want to join me for that. And of course, every day here on the Monica Crowley podcast. Time now for the midweek email bag. Send me an email to monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com. Bill writes, do I need my Monica time? Amazing time to learn from you. You get to the point and get us to consider current affairs and our concern for the near future. I feel assured we will be more effective 
do to your heart and mind. Well, thank you so much for the very kind note, Bill. It really means a lot to me, and I am thrilled that you're enjoying the show and getting so much out of it. We really are building a community here on the Monica Crowley podcast, and we're also glad that, Bill, you're here with us and that everybody is here because, again, there is safety in numbers, and on this show, you know that you were surrounded by thousands and thousands and thousands of other people who think like we do and who are willing to learn and willing to fight every day for the United States of America. So, Bill, I want to thank you so much for this email and uh, keep them coming. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com and you might hear yours on the air. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Have a great rest of your week, and I will see you right back here with another really big show on Friday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.